0: get it going right here and right now welcome in to episode two of new generation declassified coming in to you in live and in living color here on the tmpt empire if you didn't know by now my name is chad and every single week we're going to take you here on a journey back to the new generation era of the world wrestling federation stopping off in the mid 90s we're going to enjoy some pogs we're going to enjoy some grunge music And we're really going to take in the essence and the aura of the mid-90s WWF scene. And of course, like I mentioned last week here on this show, we're going to dive into different topics having to do with the new generation. And this one is no different as we single in on one specific person who is just uh, thrust himself back onto our screen this past week as we are going to be talking about Todd Pettengill, the longtime host of the New Generation shows in the WWF back then in the day. But before we get into all that, I want to welcome in my two here counterparts on this show. First, over there in New Jersey, he's uh, standing behind a bright, shiny light, which is good because that means the good Lord is shining on top of him. He is the one and only Mr. CP. CP, how's it going this evening?
1: I'm doing all right, if by the good Lord you mean Mr. Todd Pettengill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some people may worship him as a god, but I haven't found anyone just yet. Uh, And down there in the bottom box here, as I'm recording this on the video screen, is the man behind the glass, the man with the golden mouse. He's going to be showing us some great visuals as we talk about Mr. Pettengill here. Got to welcome in Timmy Weiland, Timmy W, Timma, whatever you want to call him. He's here. Tim, how's it going in your world?
2: Timmy Dub sounds good, man. Um, it's, everything's great, especially with Todd in our life right now. It's everything's <laughs> perfect.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's a lot about Todd Pettengill and, you know, doing podcasting for as long as I have and knowing when shows kind of work themselves into a perfect rotation. Uh, the podcast gods shined on us this past week as Todd Pettengill made his return to WWF television or WWE television for the first time in about 20 something years. And uh, thank you very much, WWE production, WWE media, WWE television. For bringing Todd Pettingill back for the NXT In Your House show, which since I don't really follow, had no clue was even happening. Uh, but it was really nice to see that In Your House logo back and on the uh, the silver screen. Did anybody get a chance to watch the NXT In Your House?
1: I did not watch the In, in Your House event, no, but I saw highlights of it, and certainly saw the uh, the amazing graphics and some of the uh, some of the. Um, things they planted from the nineties era, which were nice to see.
0: Very nice to see. And, you know, we'll start kind of with just that wrap up before we get into what Todd served uh, purpose wise here in the, uh, in the new generation. But uh, yeah, they did an in your house style show. Obviously it's kind of like a play on words because, you know, we're all stuck in our freaking houses, obviously. Uh, But they utilize a lot of the old school logos. You know, they, they use some old school footage and uh, a lot of old school hype to, to build up this show that they had, uh, that they had Todd Pettengill kind of doing the uh, the intro and outro video. They had him do his classic style uh, promotional video. And uh, to be honest with you, for a show that I didn't watch, it actually came off very intriguing because the wwe likes to do this when they go back and do things in a throwback style they do it just as good as they did it then which begs the question well why the hell don't they just do that now and see where it goes uh, from here but the toddster was back in front of the uh the old house that they gave away and in, in your house one <laughs> uh and uh and looking very todd like uh when he made his return
1: yeah i feel like if he ties his hair vince will take him back in a second
0: <laughs> well he's probably going to cost them a little bit more than about uh i don't know three quarters of the announced team not named jerry lawler you could literally stack up every generic named announcer they have and they probably wouldn't even uh total what todd made like last month um uh, because todd is tight ty- quite the tycoon in the uh, the radio world in the uh you know the the the, the phony phone call world todd is a guy yeah. Who, if you are a uh, you know a radio buff like myself, you know you got to respect Todd's game for what he has done on the radio side of things, and I think that's what helped him kind of get acclimated to a lot of the people who knew him already from the radio back when he made his debut in 1993 on a show that we talked about last week, WWF mania. Now CP completely forgot about this show and I'm never going to let him live it down because 10 o'clock Saturday morning, man, where the hell were you that you were so busy that you couldn't watch WWF mania?
1: I was never a mania guy. I remember watching. I definitely remember watching it. I jogged my memory uh, this week with YouTube videos but I never was a fan of the studio-based shows. I, I always preferred – I was always there for superstars on my
0: weekend mornings. But I don't know. Mania, was, I would check in and out of that. Any reason why? You just didn't like studio shows? What, what's wrong with the studio? Because
1: – well, not studio, wrong in general. This specific show, though. I hate Todd Pettengill.
0: Yeah. Look, Todd was what he was. He was a, a broadcasting professional. Um, not really what I would call the traditional TV guy. He's got the radio voice. I mean, he's got it down pat. Uh, if people from the New York, New Jersey area remember him, I mean, a longtime staple of 95.5 WPLJ, which for the radio fans out there is gone and is shocking to me that 95.5 PLJ is, is a relic now. Uh, because that's where Todd sat there and dominated for uh, a good part of 20 plus years. Um, But the WWF mania show was basically Todd's vehicle. And yes, it had squash matches. Yes. It kind of recapped shows, but the personality of the Toddster shined as they did the on cameras in the production studio in the basic, this is basically, you know, and as we're looking at it, you're basically seeing Todd Pettengill in the mainframe area of where the, the the overseen of the production goes down. These are the guys that ingest the video that ultimately gets broadcast out to the affiliates, gets put together for uh, packages, this and that, wherever its destination is. It goes through that room that Todd's in. And that's why I love that WWF mania um, kind of look because it takes you behind the scenes. And whether or not Todd was the right guy to do that, that's really the first peek we got at what it looked like to, to see a backstage area of a wrestling show. It was Now can can I ask you a
1: question? Can I ask yeah. you a question, Chad? You've been sure. there obviously. Mm-hmm. You you worked in that building at one point. How yeah. big is that? How big is that room?
0: Well, the room itself is It's not the biggest room in the world, but that there there's aisles and that is one of the aisles right there that kind of there's like a a little path that leads out a door that goes back into the hallway. Um, But this is basically from what I remember, and it's been, you know, 17 years since I was in the building, I believe it was two aisles and there was like an editing bay. There was a couple offices in the back um, and there was an entrance on both sides and that was the main walkway right there that Todd is on. Um, now, the reason I
1: it. ask you that question is that I was watching an episode of Mania um, featured in the era where Macho Man was the co-host. and <laughs> Macho Man yeah. was late, and and Todd Pettengill chose to be Macho Man and dress up as him um, <laughs> and do one of his famous impressions of Macho Man. Then Macho Man <laughs> arrives late. But Todd had to step out for a second, and Macho Man starts hosting the show. And I'm pretty sure you've seen this. Uh, Maybe you have. Maybe you have. have, I'm assuming you have. They go back and forth. Um, Macho Man's hosting, and Todd is hosting as Macho Man. But they don't realize until the end of the show that they're both hosting the show in the studio. And Macho Man runs into Todd and then makes him remove his Macho Man garb. Uh, (laughs) I was like, how big is this room? How do they have no idea they're broadcasting?
0: Yeah, it's basically they were probably on the other side of the tape uh, area that they had. Uh, and and to the point, I wish I could see what it looked like now and to see what it's like from a digital perspective. But when I was there, it was still all on tape. That's
1: and, exactly uh, what I was
0: talking about. Yeah, re- it was all on reel to reel. And, um, you know, you can kind of see from the, 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 the mainframe uh, shot that they do that where the room kind of tails off to the right. And um, yeah, it's not a huge room, but. Nonetheless, it just it, it caused to be a, a great backdrop for this show, um, yeah. which, you know, if we talked about Monday Night Raw being a kickoff or or the other points in late 92 being a kickoff, you know, Todd being in that room helped usher in what was this new generation with uh, all the new superstars and um, his personality shined. You know, there's no doubt so, about it. Almost it. was
2: like a almost was like a new generation of uh, studio show.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, if you remember back earlier, they would do, you know, the um, the event center or they would do the, you know, the WWF magazine update. And those would basically just be in another part. So there that is another studio area, but it's not this studio that they did those in and you didn't get to see the whole thing. You got to see people working in the background. You know, you got to see other sides of, of what the WWF was. We all knew the WWF was huge, but we didn't know what people looked like working on it. And we actually got to see them and then sometimes become a part of the show.
1: This is also a completely different camera style than I think you had seen in those previous studio shows as well. I mean, this is, you know, single cam following the host around more so than just, you know, a station's camera.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, and it caused, you know, this is a this is a crew that when they do something, they do it perfectly. And, and these shows just, you know, they they flow. They go really quick. And these on cameras, albeit, you know, basically filling commercial breaks, um, they serve their purpose. And they ended up doing some other things like they hosted some Coliseum videos from in there. You know, they they would see, do some local promos from inside that room. And it became like that was. You know, that was WWF mania. You know, that was you knew that. Oh, that's the room they use on mania and uh, a great, great staple of those couple of years. It's a shame that they don't do stuff like that anymore.
1: Can I an Easter egg? I noticed um, catching up on some manias. Um, Go right ahead. There was an they were through to a match in one of the episodes I was viewing. And Lord Alfred Hayes was commentating Mm -hmm. with Sean Mooney. And I just did not recall Lord Alfred Hayes commentating into 1993 I know yeah. he was I know his voice was on some commercials uh like the ice cream bars but I, I didn't recall him commentating matches that late
0: Yeah he was there uh you, he was there longer than you'd think they just kind of took him off uh TV he he famously kind of walked out uh at one point um in 95 and uh it, it led to it was actually a, a really big transition time that they had uh cuz JJ Dillon also left at that time too But um, when Alfred Hayes was still doing the commentary, um, you could see by that point his his style kind of changed. He was very um, snarky, you know, and he came off kind of more like a heel, which you're like, well, damn. I mean, that's how he was, you know, early in his career. But if we had seen that Lord Lord Alfred Hayes a few years earlier, you could have had somebody on par with Bobby Heenan because his wit and the snarkiness of of the heel Lord Alfred, was pretty damn funny.
1: I agree with you. I actually love, Heal, Lord Alpha. Heal, Lord. Heal, Lord. Alpha. Um I used to. Uh, yeah, I remember actually liking the heel side of him when I was a kid. So,
0: yeah, and 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 him being broadcast partners with Sean Mooney for a lot of those uh, taping shows. You know, the prime times of the world and some of the Coliseum videos. Sean Mooney, who was a staple of that eighty-eight to you know ninety-two timeframe, gone. He's gone. We see him on the first Monday Night Raw. And Sean Mooney is bye-bye, and that's where Todd Pettengill kind of steps in. So let me ask uh, this question out there. What do you think is the uh, the stronger uh, being? Do you think a Sean Mooney who could step in, do some commentary, be the on-camera host, and be your classic news-style guy, or Todd, who did eventually end up doing some commentating, uh, albeit in a color uh, capacity, being more the wacky radio DJ, you know, funny guy. So w- which one would you prefer in uh, in this television format?
1: I personally would prefer Sean Mooney, but I understand what Vincent Mann sees in Todd Pettengill. Um, I think number one with Todd is that he's he's an outsider. First of all, he had no wrestling experience, if, if I'm correct, before WWF. So, no. he, But he comes from the radio world where, as you mentioned earlier, he's got all these um, all the broadcasting techniques from live radio that he can translate easier over to live TV and he's got his his wacky personality which I, which I think um, you know I think the man in charge probably loved what he was getting from Todd bettengill
0: Yes, absolutely. And Todd, you know, would go on the road and do the pay per views and do the pre shows either from the arena or they would tape them a little bit beforehand. But being out in the live environment and then also doing the backstage hits on the pay per views and some of the Monday Night Raws, it's not like this guy just came in, did his piece, and was back on the radio the next morning. He was traveling and he was doing a lot of work. And I don't know if a lot of people realized how much that really was for that. Point in time because, you know, yes, they taped a lot of TV. Yes, they would do a lot of stuff in one clip, but just the sheer amount of programming that they had to do at that point, it was still national. So they were having to do a lot of market specific content. So what we saw in the New York area isn't what you got to see in the Chicago area or the Los Angeles market. So these guys really had to whip their ass and do a lot of work. And I think Todd, being a radio guy, may not be kind of put into that thought process of, hey, He's going to be on the road with the boys. He's one of them, but he's this wacky, goofy guy. I think that kind of gets lost in translation.
1: Yeah, and that uh the studio uh, format of promoting all those—you know, every town that you're doing—I mean, he, he's there for all of that in these years, and that is that is grueling work. That's you know, this is this is a, a traveling road show. They're they're on the road all year, so that's just constant recording, and you have the Monday Night Raw's, which as you said, some of them are tapes, but you have live ones as well. And it's to do all this on a schedule where you also have to be hosting a, you know, 6 AM radio show and doing yeah. prep for that radio show. I mean, that's a pretty grueling schedule.
0: Yeah, it is. And if we think of some of the syndicated shows from, That area, you know, or not even the syndicated, even the cable shows. You got your WWF mania. You've got your still wrestling challenge, still superstars, uh, all American wrestling, which would turn into the action zone and other market specific ones. Canada had some different shows. You know, uh, they broadcast some different content to the UK. Um, These guys always having to change it up and do different things. Todd ended up having to get involved. And like I said, was on commentary uh, for some matches. Was he the greatest on commentary? Absolutely not. But still to, to say that, look, this guy did it all in that time frame. Have you ever heard an interview where somebody said that Todd Pettengill hurt the product or Todd Pettengill, you know, was somebody that didn't bring anything to the table. Then nobody says anything negative about the guy, you know, when you talk about nope. these superstars.
1: No, I, I, uh, I looked up a couple articles on Todd Pettengill and everybody had good things to say about him. Um, and everybody said he left on great terms with the company, which is why they still ask him back, obviously, for something like in your house this weekend.
0: Yeah, which is weird because uh, when I was there and I was interviewing, I had mentioned Todd Pettengill in passing, and I had a producer flat out rip him to me about him being a little bit demanding and a little bit of an asshole. So I was kind of surprised <laughs> that that sentiment isn't really shared that much because they—I wouldn't as far to say he was unprofessional. Um, you know, for him, him to be there for so many years. I know those guys in that production studio work h- hundreds of hours in, in a month and, and they really push it to the limit. So I'm sure there were times where things got testy and people were a little bit on edge, but um, yeah, I was actually surprised to hear him say that because I've never heard a bad thing said about Todd from the wrestling side of things, the radio side, he can be a little <laughs> bit more ruthless, but on the wrestling side of things, I've never heard anything bad about Todd.
1: Yeah, and, that um, one
0: time at WWE.
1: No, and one of the um one of the articles I read in catch up for this episode, uh, was actually him. It was an interview with Todd where he was talking about yeah. it not this past weekend, but he also, I guess, um, partook in um,
0: an in your it's house from,
1: DVD the D V D that yeah, came out like yeah, seven it's from years a few, ago.
0: It's from a few years ago, the interview you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he spoke specifically about meeting seeing like the same producers and same camera people and uh being you know, being it was like he it was like he never left working with
0: them. Yeah. And those guys were burned out. I mean, there was a guy who who told me flat out, you know, he had a new baby, he hadn't really seen the baby that much, and he just you could see in his eyes that he was just completely burned, but it kinda goes in line with how good the WWE production always is. And that's one thing I'll never, ever take away from them. Uh, we can say whatever we want about stupid creative or this didn't go the way it should have, or this and that arm track, armchair quarterback, the whole nine yards, the production has stayed consistent for 30 plus years. And that is one yeah. thing that will probably never go away, even after Vince McMahon is long gone, the production and the teams they put together are on another planet.
1: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, if you watch a, monday night raw and there's a mistake it's an intentional mistake that right is, uh, yeah and i am noticing yeah as we've told, we've argued about before not to yeah obviously this is new generation podcast but i do i do enjoy aw but there are production mistakes weekly on aw that i always notice that never happened on wwe
0: yeah no there it's from a production point of view it's it's very shaky and, uh, and I'm not just talking about the camera. It's, it's very touch and go. But I do know they have a lot of professionals on the AEW staff, uh, guys yeah. um, that uh, you know I know secondhand uh, through people that are longtime veterans. But it's also, you know, it, it goes with a new promotion. Co-
1: it's a new company and there's
0: growth, growing pains
1: and stuff and a lot of people come together. I'm just making a point that I, I see things that I would never see on WWE occasional.
0: So do you think that people look at the new generation, they look at Todd Pettengill, they think it's corny, they think it's a little campy. Do you think what they used him for on the last show with this NXT in your house, you think the whole house giveaway has a lot to do with it and the promotion that went around with the house? I mean, if you remember, you know, it was the uh, we're going to give away a house on the first ever in monthly pay-per-view in your house, and they had all the little entries in the box Outside of uh, the set, which looked like the house, uh, do you think because of the camp factor of it that that's why a lot of people hate on Todd from this era and hate on the era itself?
1: That's a that's a that's a good question. I mean i I think there's a campiness around Todd Pettingill in general, to be honest. So it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to pin it on the house giveaway. So
0: you think that um, Todd has a has a, has more of a part to it than anything else? You think it's Todd? and the bean of Pettengill that is what the, you know, <laughs> what the stigma really uh, comes out of. I do, but I
1: don't blame him because I think he was doing exactly what his job was. Uh, right. Like, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but, but the house giveaway was, uh, was definitely had a, had a level of campiness that is, uh, kind of hard to <laughs> argue with. Uh, it, yeah. it was, if you, yeah, this video right now with, um, him <laughs> with yeah, that. So,
0: so the co-host of the WWF mania show briefly was a, a woman named Stephanie Wyland, who yeah. uh, has greatly distanced herself from the wrestling world. Uh, told me specifically, she has distanced herself from the pro wrestling world. Uh, she had basically won a contest to be the next co-host of uh, WWF programming. And she's right smack in the middle of this house giveaway. And yeah. you know, I think she took away from Todd in a way because I don't know. She does she wasn't the greatest a- and Todd didn't really need a second banana. Um, but her, her presence is a little, a little questionable <laughs> in my point of view from, uh, for that year, the months she's there. I
1: loved watching, uh, the video of this specific house giveaway where, yeah, the two of them are commentating on the, uh, screen like talking about how great the house is it's uh <laughs> i don't know why that was existing it, it did not seem necessary to commentate about how amazing the house is that's being given away while they're looking at a video screen in the middle
0: of the arena well, what are they going to do? Say, well, the house sucks. We're giving away a house that sucks. <laughs> you know, it's built on a, uh, you know, a burial ground. You know, it's uh, it's infested with uh, raw sewage. Like, what are they going to say? They're going to tell you the, the, the finer parts of it. They're going to show you the <laughs> golf, the golf course the and the golf,
1: golf course. And,
0: yeah, exactly. And I know they there's a piece somewhere about the kid who, who won the house. Um, But it always seemed like when when Vince tried to do something like this, it always backfired somehow. They always had some sort of technical glitch or a technical difficulty. And We talk about how fine their production is. They try to dial a freaking phone on WWE TV. It yeah. has never worked.
1: <laughs> it has never. no. It, it did not work this time. It did not work on the uh, raw giveaway. And I'm yeah, sure there's other there's other times, I'm sure.
0: I mean look at the the fact that we're watching them rake through entries they do, they barely even move oh. them. I mean they they, they barely nah. uh-oh. uh oh, Stephanie's going in the pile.
1: <laughs> By the way, when those rakes come out, Todd, she's like how are we going to go through these postcards and Todd Pettengill just goes rakes and he goes and grabs rakes from the back. <laughs> it's
0: hilarious. Oh, that's ridiculous. But you know, they're in these entries, you know, I'm sure there's a uh there's a there, there's a Chad B uh, entry somewhere in there. And I was ready to move to Florida. Yep. but
1: yeah, uh, I'm right on board with you. I was entering this. <laughs> I think I entered every family member I have in this contest.
0: I mean, come on. How could you not want the house? You're going to move down there. I thought that Vince would be living right next door to you. So I thought I'd just be <laughs> like hand-in-hand in, hand in the WWF production, but, like, just the whole thing here, it's just so funny that this is not how it would be done in this day and age. I mean, they're dialing the phone. Did the phone even dial out? I mean, like, how do we know? Was it worked? It Was it gimmicked? These are the questions that come <laughs> through your mind now, especially with these two. Was it a work? Come on. If you're listening, guy who won the house, was it a work? <laughs> if
1: it was a work, did they plan in the, the number not working the first time, though?
0: Hey, like we said... Vince is the master of uh, manipulation, so hey, there's a very sure. good chance right. that it uh, that it happened. But I think so many people think about the house giveaway and, and say, oh, it's so dumb, it's so this, and then watch, you know, here comes uh, Duke the Dumpster Drossy, You know, here comes T.L. Hopper. Here comes <laughs> Jeff Jarrett with the flashing lights. It's like a perfect storm of 90s. And, you know, it's funny. I was going through something today, and I came across a pog, right? You remember pogs? I do. You know? come on you got a slammer you know you got a uh mega slammer whatever the hell they were (laughs) i i think something like a house giveaway like if they were to do it now i think we would be so much more like attuned to like the real realism of what it's like to hand over a house that i don't even know if you can give away a house at this point (laughs) you know
1: Especially not to an 11 year right? old Right. Yeah, are? exactly.
0: <laughs> Where's the fine print? Like, let me somebody get me Jerry McDivitt on a phone. I want to see the fine print of this thing and make sure that kids were eligible. To, what's uh...
1: fun- I'm sorry, to interrupt you. But what's funny about that too is right before uh, he does this giveaway, Todd Pattingill, like when um, Stephanie pulls out the winner card, and then two people come out from the back and are like, and Todd's like, these are to make sure the winner is is eligible, and this. <laughs> This man with glasses looks at the card and he's just like, yeah, he's good. And I was like, why did that just happen? It was very <laughs> odd to me. I don't know what they were verifying, that the winner was 11 years old. I don't know.
0: Uh, they could have been. They, they could have been this first In Your House show. I mean, it was. Yes. Man, it was, it was, it was an interesting one because uh, I believe this is the show that Diesel hurts his elbow. Uh, so the show itself, for those two random people to be out there. Uh, There was also two random Undertaker druids outside the ring. I mean, there was random uh, Michael Hayes, a.k.a. Doc Hendricks, on commentary. A lot of randomness having to do with people around the show. So why not those two guys? They probably were uh, they're probably country club buddies of the McMahons that they wanted to put on TV.
1: Probably. I would not disagree with that.
0: But, you know, the guy right there we're looking at on the screen is Big Daddy Cool Diesel who uh, was driving the truck of the new generation, champion for a year, and a future uh, topic that we're going to talk about. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. But, um, you know, look, whether or not a guy like Diesel, they say it's a, a down era, Todd Pettengill's mullet game is about as strong as Diesel's title reign was. And I dare you to question me on that one.
1: <laughs> i The only reason I would question you on it I I looked at Todd Pettengill's mullet multiple times in the last week and multiple times when I was a child. I have I have doubts that it's a legit mullet. I believe there might be extensions back there.
0: You know, I didn't think I'd have to bring this up but you got a real axe to grind. With, uh, <laughs> with Todd Pettengill and it's very it's unhealthy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um I just want to know, is Todd Pettengill's mullet game rocking or is Big Daddy Cool's uh, goatee like the greatest thing I could possibly look at at this point in time? They're both pretty awesome. That is – oh, he's uh, – I could talk about Kevin Nash all day long. I'm, I'm
2: just still distracted by that mullet, guys. The, the mullet <laughs>
0: is bad. I, how dare you say that? Uh, and I don't know that, if – That mullet was the first – when I, I pulled up
1: the original mania for Todd Pettengill's WWF debut. Uh, in prep for this episode, and I was I was like that mullet is crazy. I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> it does look a little fine in one area, and then kind of gets a little frizzy, and you know doesn't look. I guess you could say natural uh, if you do look at it head on. So I, I will <laughs> maybe give you a a little bit of that. But uh, I mean, are you just uh, were were you that big of a uh, an Opie and Anthony guy like me? You couldn't even find any love for Todd in there. You had to I'm, go on the Todd hate. <laughs> I've given
1: you love for Todd. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I just respect it from a radio perspective just because I, I know the contributions he's given. I mean, you want to talk about they might be corny, they might be passe, they might be dumb, but the phony phone calls, the sound parodies, uh, the song parodies, all that shit that he does, it, it he did it really well. You know? like, And he made an empire out of it. And yeah. he's, he still does it to this day.
1: Absolutely. He's a, he's a part of my childhood. I would never deny that. I literally, like, I... Way before O and A, I my mom used to listen to PLJ in the morning, driving me to school every morning. Like and in Middletown, I was not part of the bus route. I would get ten minutes of Scott and Todd <laughs> in the morning on my way to on my way to middle school. Um, and and obviously, I was like, "That's the guy from wrestling." when, yeah. was, when I'm driving to school. So.
0: And, you know, and it helped. I, I think it really helped. And we talked about last week. Look, the WWF was strong in the Northeast. It helped to have your guy, you know, you're a flag-waving WWF fan. You listen to the radio. Well, I'm going to listen to the WWF guy. Maybe he'll talk about Bret Hart. You know, maybe he'll talk about Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid. It's one of those things where it kind of goes hand-in-hand with that market. You tend to support the guys you know, and uh, it's pretty cool to have your guy, you know, on the radio, whether it's wrestling-related or content or not. Yeah, no, I agree. And I can only think of maybe like one or two times I ever heard a wrestler on the show with him. I remember Shawn Michaels was on um, Scott and Todd right before the 96 Survivor Series. So, like, I I, I remember that happening. But I don't know how much beforehand I was happening. I was listening to Howard down the dial. So, I, I can't really say uh, I was tuned into Scott and Todd uh, so yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're crapping on the guy. What's going on? No, no, but I'm not saying it from a bad perspective. I, I I was trying to find out how I was going to weasel my way into the, uh, to, to the world of Howard Stern, which I did. So, (laughs) <laughs> score one for me again um but uh yeah so you know it, to to have it come full circle and have him back on the air this past week was cool and, and very well timed what we're about to kind of dive into here over the next uh, weeks and months to come uh is there anything else about todd pettingill's run that you feel we need to address uh on this episode here
1: uh personally i i would like to talk about todd pettingill's impressions for a second oh because- go ahead he, he breaks out numerous impressions, especially on your Mania show. Yeah. Which, which are, I don't want to say that they're, I don't want to criticize guys, say they're bad. They're, they certainly fit the time period. But it, it's, uh, oh, this this one is great. This is Mr. <laughs> per- yeah, Tim just pulled up his Mr. Perfect impression. and he's, he's using the towel. He spits the gum. He talks in his radio voice. It's just a... Uh, Yeah, there's multiple episodes of Mania where he's just doing impressions. There's one of Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about that, Ian? They just entertained me a lot when I was watching them. I don't know if they were good or bad. They just entertained
0: me. Hey, you know, he's a showman. He's just showing off the chops. And, you know, he always kind of did that you know it was like his uh you know it was the more jokey thing that we saw Sean Mooney was a straight newsman straight off of the front lines you know Todd Pettengill's a wacky morning show DJ so it was uh you were going to get a little bit of shtick you were going to get a little bit of camp um his sweater game was pretty cool you know his uh yeah. he, he know he knew how to rock a sweater he had some uh some really cool boots I know that too so. And cool,
1: bam, bam, bigelow head tattoos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, look! It's just a matter of this guy survived uh, a four-year period. That you know, it's impressive. And, no, and it's th-
1: impressive. I so I, I know you think I'm crapping on him. I, I I am to a degree, but but I do think he's uh, integral. Certainly integral to this time period. He's there the entire time, and he's the he he's he's not the voice of commentating, but he's the voice of uh, you know what is the word interviewing?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, um, yeah, he's backstage interviewer, you know, Yeah. if you do want to check out some of his commentary, he did a lot on the action zone and with the action zone, you know, it, it was after all American wrestling, which was basically like the first WWF, like two hour event show that they would do to show some squash matches and stuff from around their, uh, television dial. But, uh, he did commentary ironically with a guy who gets a lot of hate from that era as a commentator with Vince. So think about that duo, Vince McMahon and Todd Pettengill. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting duo. Um, and I believe Todd is on the call for what could be the most famous match in Action Zone history, which was the, uh, the, the click exploding with uh, Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid taking on uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel um, from the Westchester County Center in New York. And I believe it's Todd and Vince on the call, and the match is great. But Todd's style it, it translated to more like of a yell, which could he could fit very well then into this day and age because that's all these guys do is just yell shit. So he could have fit pretty good.
1: Well, well, no, I. So when you say he could pre- fit pretty well into this age, so basically overlapping um, Todd's when Todd left is the introduction of Michael Cole, who and Michael Cole is the flagship announcer now so it's a totally different position but I, if you look at early Michael Cole I feel like he might have gotten direction that was like B Todd Bend.
0: Yeah I could see that because he he literally came in after like, yeah. right on his coattails and uh, I could see it. I, I could definitely see it but how do you feel he worked with other broadcast partners? So we're seeing him with Michael Hayes aka Doc Hendricks at that point how do you think he works with a guy like Hendricks who's a dialed up Game show host style version of Michael Hayes. Yes,
1: yeah, so, I, so this, this is interesting. I think I think they have a good back and forth. I, I like so his as much as I crap on him, I actually like his chemistry with Sonny a lot. I think uh I think I would go into the same mode as Todd Pettengill if I were working with Sonny in that era where he's just he totally embraces being the nerdy guy while Sonny can just be <laughs> Sonny and, and right. just dominate him.
0: Sonny was coming for his job because she was actually at one point uh, coming to do just strictly on camera stuff. And then they decided, well, we'll put her when we bring up uh, Candido and make him skip and she becomes Sonny. But she was uh, Tamara Sitch. She was going to be on uh, on WWF TV as a comment or, you know, like a back- backstage a, a, a on camera person doing this style of show. Uh, Could have changed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Never would have met Shawn Michaels. Never would have had sunny days. <laughs> she never would have gone to ECW. She never would have been with the triple threat. A whole lot of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of whole lot of stuff after that, too. But, you know.
1: Uh, there's a lot of things. That
0: say. ain't this show. This is the new generation, strictly. Exactly. Um, but how about a Vince? Vince on commentary gets a lot of hate. I love Vince McMahon on commentary. Uh, glad C- Todd wasn't driving the ship. But how about that duo? That duo
1: is amazing. First of all, when you, I mean you love Vince on commentary, I, Vince McMahon can be with anybody on commentary and I love it. I, I Vince in a weird way, I, I'm not going to say he's better than some of the top commentators of all time, but I, I, I can listen to Vince so long. Anybody. <laughs> he's amazing. on commentary.
0: I, I just know. I always felt with him that he knew what he wanted to say. He knew what needed to get over better than anybody. So yeah, he might not had a flashy style, but, but it was still a style, you know what I mean? It was it was what we knew of Vince.
1: Yeah, and and everybody was always going to kick out before the three cat with Vince. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, you know a small package. It was a uh, he's uh, it's out of here. It's over. <laughs> I love that though. Like that was one of my favorite
1: things about his commentary. One two, we got him. No, we didn't.
0: <laughs> so, what do you think? Uh, would you bring back Todd? Would you have him do special shows? You have him hosting DVDs. You have him doing some, uh, WWE network content. What would you see for Todd to come back, uh, in a, in a wrestling capacity again, if he was to do so? I
1: would certainly bring back Todd. I, I know again, like I know, um, you know, I've said some negative things about him, but I, 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 think he's very strong for what he did. Um, I think it made sense what he was doing and, he could probably bring some direction to um, modern WWE, not to not to um, you know, not to talk negatively about a lot of the modern people, but all the modern people are sort of in a in a program and they don't necessarily have a personality. Like Todd Petingill was Todd Pettengill. if like, you know who he was.
0: Do you think they needed to rough him up a little bit? Are you glad they didn't do it? Should they? Should he have been in a in a in a storyline and gotten beat up like every announcer ever? Michael Cole was a heel, you know. Uh, guys that took center stage. Uh, should Todd have gotten involved in storylines, or do you like him where he was? I'm not
1: gonna lie. I would love to see Todd have joined the Kiss My Ass Club.
0: <laughs> well, everybody does join it eventually.
1: No, yeah, he, back
0: a fold. So I think he's
1: better where he was because he he's too much of a. Well, I mean, Michael Cole was a caricature when he was a heel too. I mean, I was gonna say he's too much of a caricature to really be in storylines, but it's a, I guess it just depends on what the storyline would be.
0: Do you have a favorite Todd Pettengill moment outside of the impressions? Do you is there something that you would say if it wasn't for this moment? I got one. So if it wasn't for this moment, I would never remember who Todd Pettengill was
1: him. Uh, for me, it's him being the Billy Crystal of the WWF and,
0: Oh, that's a good host, one. I like the ho-
1: hosting the slammy awards in 96 <laughs> and 97. We're still considering March 97 new generation, right? Or is that, Oh, is that kind of, uh,
0: hell? yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, because yeah, we haven't those... talked
0: about what the end of it was. We just did the beginning.
1: <laughs> those intros to the slammy awards are absolutely outrageous. Um, he, uh, first of all, he he talks about he he sings both years songs about Shawn Michaels that are I I would never be able to do publicly, and I'm someone that's done a lot of public speaking and embarrassed myself publicly. But they are just <laughs> lamenting lamenting the crush of Shawn Michaels. Um, he
0: he then, was a big fan of Shawn Michaels. That, <laughs> that is for damn sure. But that could have been instructed by the chairman.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It's absolutely dope. Um,
0: Uh The Slammies, you know, I, I didn't re- – we should have maybe brought that up a little earlier with the songs and stuff. I mean, he was the host of the show, but that was, like, his thing. That was you You watch the slammies to see the Todd song at the beginning. Um, yeah,
1: you, that's when I said the Billy Crystal reference. Yeah, It was clearly, like, the Billy Crystal Oscars intro.
0: But uh, I'll tell you what I think of when I think about Todd Pettengill, and that's the hype for the Lex Express and the Body Slam Challenge. OK, he's, he is front and center for all that. And and he's actually even in the ring as they're doing all the introductions of the guys who are going to be taking the challenge. And I just think about that as being so cool and and, and such a, a I don't think we appreciate it enough that that body slam challenge was was so different. And Todd and here we go. We're in New York City. You know, we're right in the middle of Manhattan that the intrepid sits and here's a guy who's on morning radio and now he's sitting in the middle of a ring and he's calling the action of who's coming out and who's doing it, it is to me. It's it's probably one of the cooler points, if not the coolest for his couple of years there in the WWE, because you can sit in a WrestleMania, you can sit in SummerSlam, you know, you can you sit in these sold out buildings. There's nothing cooler than July 4th, the Stars and Stripes Challenge, the Intrepid and the Body Slam heard around the world.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And it's interesting that I don't I don't think of Todd at all for this, but really? when you say but when you say that he's like I almost credit him with that because it's almost like I feel like it, maybe he knew there was enough of an event that he could he could like he could tone it up but not necessarily, you know, overtake it with his personality. Um this is uh but I agree with you. This is one of the most amazing events ever. I it's certainly a cornerstone of the new generation. And, you know, if you look at my Facebook feed, I post this every July. <laughs> so,
0: <it's- laughs> yeah. Having talked to uh, Lex Luger about it on the T empire. I mean, he's, you know, he, he just glows about this time and the build was, was so phenomenal. And, and people can argue, like I said before about armchair quarterbacking, you can argue it was done right. He should have won. He should have this, should have that. The build for this was so cool. and and so different and to watch the actual stars and stripes challenge and see guys who were, you know, football players or, you know, track and field stars, Olympic stars mixed in with the wrestlers. Like that was just, that was so unique. And Todd with his red, white, and blue shirt tucked into his, uh, his jean shorts. What what's more nineties than that?
1: (laughs) No, nothing, nothing at all. And crush almost had Yokozuna by the way.
0: It was this moment that would lead to something we'll talk about down the road with Crush yes. and the other guy who's sitting in the ring as we watch this, the Macho Man Randy <laughs> Savage. But this show is about Todd Pettingill, so it is. We'll talk about that at a later date. So, you know, that's basically all I got with Todd. I, I think he has a great right to be a cornerstone of this new generation. I think he's got uh, an absolute place in history, and I'm very happy that WWE brought him back and put him center stage for the uh, the NXT show, albeit, you know, look, they poke fun at the uh, use of AOL. They poke fun at uh, 1-900 numbers not yes. being a thing anymore. They poked fun at, you know, computers not being known how to use, you know, and they showed uh, Road Dogg and, and Shawn Michaels and really? uh, and Triple H having to get in there, of course. Uh, Isn't it know, interesting, knowing... by the way?
1: I, I apologize to interrupt No, me, no, no, you're good. Road Dogg, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels look like they're 30 years older than Todd Pettengill.
0: Yeah, no, they do. I, I, I would agree. Uh, they're not really. The DX that you remember that's not really that's not really uh, one of those counterculture things uh, that you remember the same way anymore. But uh, I like the way they poked fun at it. It was done very tastefully. It was done very well. And look, mm-hmm. listen to uh, that promo that they ran for the show, and then go back and watch the intro to a Superstars when they showed you uh, you know Doink versus Jeff Jarrett and Todd's doing the uh, the the promo. You you think it's the main event of WrestleMania the way the way they the production team did it. Todd's voiceover being so impactful it was very well done and i give kudos to whoever thought about that at wwe because uh it was a great callback and for the fans that can appreciate it we loved it thank you absolutely no i 100 percent agree it was no, a, it no, I'm telling don't Tim, don't show us this yet. We can't look at this yet. Get 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 this out of here. Tim showing us Crush and the Macho Man. Oh, and Todd talking <laughs> to Macho Man on the phone. We can't do that. No, not yet. Not ready for it yet. It's come a sneak preview, though. It's a sneak preview. Huh? It's a sneak oh preview. my gosh. No. Ugh. and you know. Look at Todd. He's on the Zach Morris style uh cordless <laughs> phone. Uh are they trying to say it's a cell phone or are they trying to say that it's a, a cordless phone? I mean, come on. They, they both look the same.
1: It could be either. <laughs>
0: Very nice, all right, well, let's get into the wrap up here for uh, new generation declassified. again, like I said the the wrestling podcast gods uh, handed us this one. Maybe it was the uh, the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes, who uh, bestowed upon us years ago the uh, the the things we were so fortunate to have on these airwaves and uh, he gave us the Toddster on a silver platter. so uh, I, I thank Big Dust for that one. Um, but if you want to hear more from us, we'll be back here next week and we're going to cover a topic that one of the hosts of this show, one of the, uh, the people on the microphone, had the, uh, the pleasure of being in attendance for. And that is the very shocking world championship victory of the man we talked about before, Big Daddy Cool Diesel.
1: Yeah, it's, al- it's always uh, good to talk about the Federation running on diesel power.
2: <laughs> so get your blood. You know how gloves. many people forget Diesel was the champion for a year? Let alone the he, champion at all? Longest well, reigning champion of the 1990s. No,
0: nobody I know. Everybody I know. <laughs> first, I, thing I know we, first thing they say when we first thing they say when we see each other. Say, hey, you remember Diesel was a champion for a year? And they go hell yeah.
2: <laughs> no, for me, everybody remembers him as Scott Hall, and 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 you know uh, NWO. They forget <laughs> that Diesel run.
0: Well, pack your black glove and next week join us for degener- uh, Degeneration Declassified, New Generation Declassified. Uh, if you want to follow more with the TNPT Empire, we got a brand new revamped website with all the bells and whistles, all the shows under the TNPT Empire umbrella. And uh, you'll find everything going on in the world there on uh, TNPTEmpire.com. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter, at Chad E&B on Instagram and uh come join us and have some fun cp what's going on in your world your boxing podcast is uh sticking and moving each and every week but what's uh, what do you got coming up this week
1: stick and move stories so i'm actually so i concluded uh the season one of the podcast which was 12 episodes the last episode was shane mosley versus floyd mayweather uh we're coming back though uh, the third Saturday in July, I believe, July eighteenth or nineteenth. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be some revamping. I, I want to do some um, some things to uh, change the format and just revamp. But, but uh, we'll be coming back in the middle of July. So, but but if anyone here is interested in boxing has not listened to the archives, please listen. There's a there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I I might
0: drop some Easter eggs for wrestling fans in the future. You dropped those Easter eggs. We can probably (laughs) find the Easter bunny on an episode of WWF mania. And, uh, we'll be there joining you, Timmy. We appreciate you every single week here with the visuals. We appreciate everything that you bring to the show. Uh, you got any, uh, plugs, social media you want to share with the listeners before we get out of here?
2: Uh, nothing at this moment. Just want to say, man, I'm thankful for both of you guys to bring me on this project and, um, uh, my passion and love is wrestling, especially this era. I grew up in the Northeast for uh, the new generation as well. So it's a pleasure being here and running the things behind the scenes for you.
0: The man behind the glass, the voice of God, as I like to call him. But uh, no, we appreciate you very much. It's a uh, it's a very yep. cool little uh, unique thing that we're trying here. It's just it's good to toggle the memory and it might take us off in a different direction every so often. But that's OK, because uh, when you're thinking on the fly, you're running by the seat of your pants sometimes that's a good thing but uh we appreciate everybody for tuning in and for the uh the broadcast team here in attendance this is the chadster and we will catch you on the flip side thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading